1: This is our Neil Young Podcast Where we mostly talk out of our ass While going through the works of Mr. Young It's Mike Shue and the car. And Harvest and Lenoise, we're gonna sit and listen to each one. It's Long May You Young. Hey, everybody, youngsters, and people who don't know what that means. This is Luke, one of the hosts of Long May You Young. Uh, we took this past weekend off, so we didn't end up recording a new episode. Uh, So instead of that, we're going to give you this bonus episode, which is just our interview with Nils Lofgren. Uh, We put this out, I don't know, maybe a month ago at this point, and it was great, but it was also sandwiched in the middle of a two and a half hour episode where we talked about Decade and got really, really silly and had a lot of fun, but we thought it might be nice to just give you the raw interview. So... Here it is. Uh, if you like this interview with Nils, um, I think that you will maybe like the rest of the episodes. And if you don't, then I don't know why you listen to the whole thing. But anyway, I'm gonna stop talking and let you uh, listen to our interview with Nils Lofgren. I should also say, Nils has a new album out, it's on Spotify and everywhere right now it's great it's really fantastic uh he was a wonderful guy to talk to and uh we really we hope to talk to him again he's uh just a a pleasure so uh here's the interview hope you enjoy
2: hello hi uh nils lofgren please this is nils nils hi it's uh mike shu and luke and russ condon from the long may you young podcast we had an interview set up for four
3: yeah, it's uh, this is my landline. Is uh, you getting an okay sin- signal?
2: You sound loud and clear, that sir. that's great. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Great. Good. And I'm sorry. Who? Wh- what are all the names I'm speaking to?
2: Uh, my name is Michael, Mike. Michael Lou. Mike and uh, Luke. Luke, like Skywalker. And yep. And
0: Russ.
3: right my, great. All right. And uh, let me turn this uh, music off here.
0: What are you listening to, Nils?
3: you know what I'm listening to the pretenders I'm yeah. shocked they got a new album out nice. um I've I, I was uh, I kind of befriended them on their first U.S. tour and jammed with them a bit wow. oh. and it stayed close uh through all the drama and the sadness and the funerals we lost Jimmy and, and yeah. Pete and uh but you know they're still an amazing band Christy's one of my favorite singers and writers and uh i bought an album uh a kind of a jazz torch album she made a number of months ago that was really beautiful again Mm. featuring that great voice and then i just noticed i pre-ordered it a couple weeks ago just popped up there was a pre-order for a new pretenders album so uh i mean i'm not even sure i've been meaning to reach out and ask where where the heck you find time to make an album during a pandemic, but it's great music. And it's always good to hear a a great band that's been around that long. And, uh, so that's what I was listening to. I'm actually signing some uh, CDs on my new album and getting ready to ship them out and, uh, excited to have some, a new live show out to share. But, um, Wrong, may you young sounds great.
2: Right up my alley. Right, yeah, I know you know a a little bit of something about Neil Young, and uh, you know we'll talk about. But we all we also want to talk about Weathered, which comes out on August twenty first, and which sounds amazing. But can I just say, I think it's awesome that you buy albums. I know, like you must have some kind of connection where you could get this stuff for free, but you. You like pre-order yeah. stuff, you Especially, buy the albums, yeah, and I think that's new stuff too. yeah, and I yeah. think that's fantastic that you're like still yeah, you know, supporting your friends
3: sick to, sick to my soul to, I, I just wouldn't I, I, there's not enough booze or pills to get me to a point where I'd call a friend and say, "Hey, can you send me one of your records free <laughs> 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 Not that I would, uh, you know, ever that would never enter my mind. So, and, and you know, Amy and I go to shows, of course, less in the pandemic. But um, you know, we never ask for free tickets. It's uh, we like to support our, you know, fellow artists and musicians and people who go through that's the awesome. trouble of traveling to our town. In this case, it's uh you know, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe area. But a lot of good music coming through. But yeah, of course, of course I buy records and music, and that's one of the nice things about. Um, itunes even though you know the sound quality is not good if you you know remember some tune from 55 years ago or some obscure thing and you're just dying to hear it there's a good chance you can find it at least initially and uh that's one of the good things about technology of pros and cons but anyway happy to support my fellow musicians
0: well i I gotta i gotta say nils um uh, just a quick shameless plug off the top here luke and i are brothers i'm russ speaking here and we're in a band ourselves called town meeting and we're heavily influenced by Neil, obviously. And you, you know, you and the horse and with Bruce and everything you're a heavy influence on us. But, uh, we really appreciate that you, even someone to your stature that goes out and supports, you know, live music in that way that, that, especially in a time like this, that means the world to people like us who are, who have been struggling and you know we're not at that level, but we you know we do okay, and and uh, it's still it it it's just really great and refreshing to hear that folks like you and even Neil do so much for for people like us, like Luke and I, in, in a in a band who who are still out there still struggling and trying to make things happen in the in the best ways we can it we, it means a lot just say something well, and, and also
1: as a, someone who's in a band with not one but two of my brothers <laughs> i i saw that you are in a band with your brother right and i'm just wondering we have our ups and downs and for the most part it's actually like very rewarding and refreshing i'm wondering what your experience has been with playing with family
3: well, you know, I've been lucky. I, I'm the oldest of four boys. I had, had an incredible mom and dad and um, grew up in a really, you know, great household with a lot of love and common sense mm. and, you know, um, boundaries that were very practical and uh, we, we couldn't have better parents. So all my brothers play. Tommy became professional and, of course, joined Grin at a very young age. But I've always gotten along great with my brothers. I mean, maybe when we were, you know, five and six, I was pushing them around, but they all quickly got a lot bigger than me. So that ended early. <laughs> yeah. but, yeah, the, and but then uh, You could, Mike do, and Mark a, you could who, do a
0: kick. You could do like a front flip and then kick him in the head or something. right?
3: <laughs> yeah. No, none of that, but Mike and Mark, uh, taught themselves to play and sing. Great. They, they do music on their own. They write. And whenever we play, uh, at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia, or any DC shows, uh, they all four brothers are up singing together, which is great. Amazing. We got our mom down to, you know, probably a dozen shows and even my dad over the last 20, 30 years. And, um, you know, we lost my mom a year and a half ago, but just be, you know, not too long, not too, too early. Before that, we got her to a, a show to see us all and uh, acoustically awesome. and then going through with the band, we did a my brother's do a great version of the Hank Williams song, Mind Your Own Business, so that was yeah, a yeah. great one to pull out and get on the record. But yeah, I've been blessed to get along great with my brothers. We we seem to be able to disagree with a lot of, you know, understanding and, and respect and dignity, and it's just been a they're my best friends, and I've been really blessed, because I, of course, have a lot of friends that struggle more and more. And, and when you throw in the band thing, that can bring in some uh, stuff that's separate from... You know, sibling rivalry is just sometimes in a band. That's part of a good band is you're not afraid to throw out different opinions on the table oh, and yeah. take right. a look at them and figure out what's best for the whole.
0: Yeah, we we could talk about that for for hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's we'll talk
3: show. we'll
2: talk about your your brothers uh, on and what they're doing on Weathered coming up here. But we want to do if we could since this is a this podcast. What we are doing is we're going through. Neil's uh, catalog uh, album by album in order of release. And we've done everything. Up, th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. and everybody yes. says that. It's Why the do they do that? Response,
0: They're like, Nils. <laughs> it's usually
2: it's, it's wow or what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but we've gone up through
0: Zuma was our. Oh no, no, yeah, Zuma, Zuma and, then and then we, we touched did, on we Still's young long, band. We, yeah, we did this. The Long May You Run, just briefly, only because the podcast is name is sort of named after that.
2: But, yeah, yeah, after the song. Right. But um, ah. so that's what we do here at Long May You Young, and you know we've talked a lot about you. And your contributions to to Neil's music up until this point. So, I, if we could just do a little fact check at first of some things uh, yeah, we've said. Sure. So, you met Neil when you were seventeen. The story is you
0: you. Uh, you, you sn- I saw an interview where you sn- it was yeah. that you snuck backstage.
3: Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was at a point where my band Grin was. Uh, I'd left high school and we were looking for record deals, playing all over DC. And uh, we were about to go to LA looking for a record deal, and I had a habit of sneaking in and asking uh, musical professionals and heroes for advice because I knew nothing about the business. So Neil played a place called The Cellar Door, Washington, D.C., where I'd snuck in many times and seen uh, Muddy Waters. Wow. uh, Tim Harden actually drove Tim around town. I loved him. It was an easy, it was kind of a nondescript restroom up some stairs and around a bench. So I walked in on Neil and Crazy Horse and basically I was just kind of not being desperate, but saying, look, my band is struggling. We're trying to get something going and just looking for some advice. We're headed out to LA in a few weeks. So anyway, Neil gave me a guitar, let me sing some songs. He said, "Sing another, sing another." And <laughs> next thing I know, he uh, got me a cheeseburger and a coke and a <laughs> table for for two de- for the last couple of days of a stand. I saw four shows, hung out in the afternoon with him at the hotel, and you know he said, "When you get to LA, look me up." And uh, he'd call me from the road, just. Wow. Quite amazing, you know, Wild. to have him in my corner. And sure, true to his word, when I got to L.A., he, um, you know, hooked me up with his producer David Briggs. And the short story is, I, after kicking around in some rental homes in Hollywood and Laurel Canyon and, and uh, East Hollywood, I wound up uh, going out to David's and crashing on his floor in uh, Topanga. As Grin made our way with David Briggs as our producer. And it was during that time frame a year later when I was 18, uh, Neil and David asked me to work on the After the Gold Rush project. So, Mm. you know, a lot of fast and furious, great stuff, thanks to, you know, Neil and uh, David Briggs.
2: Um, One thing I wanted to fact check is that, you went into the after the gold rush sessions thinking you were going to play guitar and neil sprung on you that you were actually going to be playing the piano i've heard different stories now i i've read up that you've already knew how to play the piano somewhat but is that true were you ready like to you just assumed you were going to play guitar and then ended up having to having to play the keys it's
3: it's it's a it's a, a bit more nuanced than that basically um, David gave me a heads up that I might be hearing from Neil about a new project he was on. But when um but <laughs> which, when they which called ended me, up being one
0: of the best records of all time.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is a great one. But when they called me, um, you know, I had no preconceived notions really, but uh I wasn't a piano player at the time. I mean I'd tinkle around and do some sessions uh on on a grin record, but uh i really wasn't a piano player i was an accordion player and um when neil called he he mentioned playing guitar playing piano and singing and um you know at that point i was just thrilled to be asked to participate but you know when i got out to la I, this was back i was visiting my folks and he called at my parents house at wilmette court in bethesda maryland And uh, I was headed back to LA anyway, but I got together with Neil and David and they said, you know, and I told them, I said, guys, you know, I'm not really a piano player because I remember (laughs) they asked, said I'd be playing piano and they both uh, had known me for over a year now. I saw them almost every day. I was living with David and they knew my accordion history. I'd studied classical for 10 years and entered contests for a couple of years. And so they thought, look, we just need some simple parts. We like your sense of melody and rhythm. We think you can handle some simple piano parts. So at that point, I knew to be quiet and just say, thanks so much. I'll do my best, instead of insisting they f- find a professional piano player. <laughs> right. And it worked out great.
1: And you're, you're also 18 at this time, correct?
3: Yeah, I was 17 when I met Neil and headed out uh, uh, somewhere in there shortly, you know, a few weeks after I met him at his shows. Uh, But when we did after the Gold Rush, I was 18. Yeah, it was my first year with Grin, making our way with David as our producer, making demos, looking for record deal. And uh, it was it was quite an extraordinary chapter Uh, to get to make that record with um, Ralphie, of course, from Crazy Horse, Ralphie Molina, and the great Greg Reeves on bass. Um, Me playing very simple on piano or acoustic guitar in a few numbers, and of course, Neil Mm -hmm. doing all the great color up top uh, with those great songs.
2: One other thing I wanted to fact check with you, and that's about Greg Reeves, who um, everyone just describes as an amazing bass player, but uh there's a story, I believe it was in uh Jimmy McDonough's book, Shaky, where George Reeves showed up to the, one of the sessions completely painted gold.
3: Oh, you mean Greg Reeves?
2: Greg Reeves, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Um <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I can't confirm or deny that. I I, I was so um Overwhelmed, yeah. uh, mostly playing piano. I I literally um, would practice day and night. Um, John Locke, the piano player for Spirit, had a front porch uh, screened-in porch with an old upright, and we literally put a sleeping bag on the porch. It was. I just would you know walk there from David's house and practice. When I wasn't at the studio with Neil, I would just practice trying to stay up to speed yeah. on these you know new songs. So. You know, even if he did, I probably would have missed it because I was, you know, staring at Neil and listening to the group and figuring out, wow. what, you know, what to do on the piano. Yeah, so but, uh, you... I've heard that story before, but I can't confirm or deny it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you were actually focused on, on making it sound good, huh? <laughs>
3: but, but, no. Well, yeah, on an instrument, On an instrument, I wasn't, you know, this was my first professional piano right. session, so I had my hands full there.
0: I know you've actually been asked this question before because... I saw a couple interviews, but I wanted to, I want to get back to the accordion. Um, But I do know that for me, after the gold rush is, is actually probably my top, if not, it's, it's tied, but, but after the gold rush is, is to me, one of the best albums of all time. And when we were going through all these albums together to do this podcast and we got to this one, I was very excited and was, was diving into learning more about you and, saw the whole accordion thing and i I want to get back to that but the thing i want to ask you about right now which I, i found amazing when i saw this was that you were responsible for one of the best songs off of that record which again is one of the best records of all time and you added the the polka theme the the polka timing change you and ralph you and ralphie when you were just messing around and uh, I wanted to ask you about that because that, to me, is one of the best parts of the song, that timing change.
3: Yeah, I would think you and I are the only ones that would call it the poker part. But, um, yeah, I think everyone else re- will, will refer to it as double time.
0: <laughs> and I, so it, I didn't, I didn't, mention, the, I didn't cor- mention the song, but it's Southern Man. I, I feel <laughs> yeah, like that's pretty that's obvious. What, yeah, <laughs> of course, <laughs> but, Southern Man.
3: Yeah, you know, again, they would... Um, Take lunch breaks or whatever. Go up on the patio, and I would stay back by myself practicing the piano. And uh, one of these days, Ralphie, Ralphie was back there with me, and um, we were doing Southern Man in the halftime. You know, bum bum. Right. Yeah. But we did the halftime. Yeah. yeah know, I... We we had a nice nice jam for about a half an hour, and I got kind of. well, uh, I just. Felt like I'd, I'd done all I could with the halftime format, so I got the idea from the old, you know, oompa um, oompa um, right, right. accordion days, <laughs> and I double timed my left hand, and Ralphie instantly felt it and went to a double time backbeat. Yeah, it, it's, ama- so it's amazing. It's amazing. I was blown away by that. And it, it was it was funny because we hold on one sec. Yeah, no, no problem.
2: <laughs> it's good to hear Nils has the same thing going on. We do it. During
3: it's, the, it's the, it's the other guys. That's
2: okay. <laughs> no, you're totally fine.
3: Yeah. Um, me and Amy are here alone running our little ship in the middle of a pandemic. And um, yeah. uh, we were a lot busier than we thought we'd be. Say hi to Amy but, for um, us too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we were really into a pretty hellacious jam with that double time feel It's like a Motown beat or something. And, uh, right up my alley from all those accordion years and neil and david came back from lunch with greg they're like you know what the heck is that because it was feeling good and said well that's southern man with a polka beat wow. and uh you know they <laughs> laughed so cool. and i meant it to get a laugh but neil did say well that feels great let's kick into that feel at the that's solo awesome. break back down the half time for the verse last verse and then at the end after a couple of riffs Let's kick back into that double time, Ralphie, and we'll yeah. go out on that feel in the solo. And it was neat that, you know, my what some people would refer to as square accordion lesson days led to a, a cool arrangement change on one of those classic songs of Neil's.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible, man. I, as a drummer myself, I always picked up on that, even when I was young, and, and it, it just was like, man, I really love that timing change. And it's so cool to learn that it's from, from polka mm-hmm. and from your accordion.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was just such a you know polka groove I played so many i learned so many waltzes and polkas are right,
1: have you ever collaborated after, with have you ever collaborated with weird al Yankovic on any
0: polka ideas
3: i have not but he's a he's certainly a good accordion player yeah. and he's quite hilarious when he's <laughs> when he's on it's quite he he makes a lot of it man but i um i still play the accordion oh nice. Real, I love the instrument it you know really served me well and even when I um, you know, go out on the road, recently on my last acoustic tour, I brought the accordion along and uh, yeah. would play Flight of the Bumblebee, something oh, I wow. worked up the last few years. That was one of the pieces I had to learn for a contest. Wow. Uh, and uh it took me a long time to get it back. And of course, there's no judges analyzing the hell out of what I'm doing. You just have an audience that's, great, that's grateful you're trying to entertain them. But I, I love playing accordion too with Neil on "Helpless." There was another great moment on the um, "Tonight's a Night" tour, yeah. where uh, mm-hmm. you know David we brought along the little accordion, a little red accordion, <laughs> oh, yeah. and um, I, kn- I hadn't used it, but uh, one one of those nights because we were playing the "Tonight's a Night" album front to back, and people weren't familiar with it. We were in England. They wanted to hear all the hits. Great they almost saw it, you know, as blasphemy. Some of them. And Neil <laughs> was trying to turn them on to something, you know, brand new, with the Tonight Tonight project. And you know, rarely, uh, you know, it would get so um, adversarial that Neil would get a little upset about it. And you know, one night he got particularly angry, and uh, he sent the whole band off stage. <laughs> And, uh, wow. you know, I think he might have told the audience, look, we're trying to share something new for you. Yeah. Wish you'd give us a break. But anyway, he walked back out with an acoustic guitar. He, he wasn't happy about, you know, this kind of shutting our show down. And uh, he started playing Helpless. Wow. And it was wow. beautiful and it was what the audience wanted. And he was just going to give them a taste. Uh, after that, you know, he said, okay, do you mind if I, you know, try to turn you on to what I felt like? Is that all right? And uh, right. we went back, brought the band out. But during Helpless, David Briggs said, get your accordion. And I didn't even know, I didn't even think past that. I, I brought it over and he said, put it on and get out there right away and start playing. Wow. And wow. I said, David, I can't walk out on Neil without being invited. He said, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. And we started getting <laughs> into an argument on the side of the stage.
1: I, I feel like and, the accordion is one of the most under rated instruments mm. out there. Yeah,
3: and then then it got to the point and I still remember it vividly cuz you know, we we smuggled in uh, some tequila gold and tiwi was kind of yeah. like the headspace for the tour. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got to a point where David was so urgent and pushy about it. I realized that you know, I'd rather walk out and, you know, surprise Neil and get into a fight with David on the side of the stage. So I threw the accordion on, walked out in the middle of Helpless and played along. And oh, wow. it was a beautiful moment. And, you know, we've done it many times at Bridge School Benefits and wow. uh, other times, too. I think we did it at the MTV Unplugged. And, uh, I always love picking up the accordion, Hank to Hendrix, a lot of cool things, touches where I get to do that too. So thanks to the accordion, uh, it led to, uh, a great opportunity to do my first uh, professional piano playing on After the Gold Rush.
0: Right, which is, yeah, that's wild. And I'd be remiss, speaking of Helpless, to not bring up the band, because as a drummer singer, Levon Helm is, is my idol, but, uh. Garth Hudson, too, is to me one of the most underrated, most genius, incredible musicians of all time, also an accordion player. And I just didn't know if you had uh, any cool stories about Garth or Levon or the band, because Helpless is, is, to me, the best performance on um, The Last Waltz. And
3: uh, Yeah, what an extraordinary film that is. And I, I was blessed to, uh, well, look, we were all in the you know, 60s, grew up with that incredible array of, Music, oh, yeah. uh, Renaissance, and of course the band was the top, the top of the list with a lot of greats. And uh, I got to see them play on their first tour at Constitution wow. Hall in D.C. Oh, I didn't wow. know them at the time, but um, years later in '89. I got to be in a band with Levon for four Amazing. or five months. We did the first Ringo Starr yeah, All-Star Yeah, yeah, the, ring, the
0: Ringo, yeah, that's right, this the All-Star Band. And I got yeah.
3: to play, you know, The Wake and Cripple Creek Ferry, and wow. we did a beautiful raining in My Heart with Rick Danko singing. But Levon wow. and Rick were in wow, Ringo's nice. first All-Star Band, along with me and Joe Walsh that's and awesome. Clarence Clemens. Jeez. And uh, just extraordinary band, Billy, Billy Preston, Dr. John, Jim Keltner, and sometimes we'd have three drummers with Levon, and sometimes yeah. he'd play oh, man. mandolin. Whatever he did, it was so soulful and effortless. Yep. And uh, Levon was such a sweet guy, too. He was always, uh, I was so thrilled to be around, you know, a band of my heroes. And every night he'd have a party in his room. Didn't matter if nobody came. The door was open. He'd always call room service and say, give me two of everything.
4: <laughs> and they, oh, you know, they
3: didn't really understand. He said, no, I don't care. Just bring two of everything. <laughs> And I used to love after the show, you know, going back and oh, yeah. howling off, throwing on a dry shirt, and go, going up to Levon's room and just hang out oh, my God. with this, you know, yeah. this beautiful singer, songwriter, player, and get to be in a band for months with him. Yeah. It was he's, really he's one my, of my. He's my know,
0: favorite. I really appreciate you telling me that, man. He. he That's awesome. Levine, and that, I've only ever heard those stories just how soulful and how kind. And, and uh, yeah, I'm a drummer, singer, like I said. And so. He, to me, is is the top of the line. There's no one better. But I appreciate that story, Nils. Thank
3: you. No, I I agree. It was just extraordinary sometimes to turn around and just see, you know, Levon Helm, Jim Kelder, and Ringo Starr playing Hmm, drums all together. Amazing. And uh, it it was, I got to say, you know, with that cast of characters, you know, me, Joe Walsh, and Hmm. Clarence, and uh, Rick (laughs) Danko. Oh, my God. um, (laughs) Yeah. Billy Great. Preston, Dr. John, and Levon. You can imagine, um, I remember still at uh, SIR, Studio Instrument Rentals in L.A., where we you know, threw the show together in about eight, nine days Jeez. in a whirlwind, that we'd do vocal rehearsals, and we'd all sit down on a couple couches in a square. <laughs> Me and Joe would have some guitars, oh and my. we'd all sing. And to hear that group, that, that cast of characters singing yeah. together with with you know outside of the band it was still one of the most stirring inspiring sounds i've ever I, heard it was I, really I, an honor to participate in that i literally
2: have chills man right I, yeah. I,
3: you are a blessed man <laughs> oh my god well
2: nils let me let me uh, this is a good way to segue into weathered the new uh, live album that's coming out august 21st and right uh recorded all over the country you have a great ringo story on weathered. Can we talk about that? I know you don't I don't want it to be like a spoiler alert, but I just think it's a, it's such a great story about when uh, Ringo yeah, was no, that, visiting that, you.
3: Yeah, that was um you know, that's a song that uh, one of my favorites and Amy's Amy usually asked me to play that at the shows Girl in Motion, mm. one of my better songs. Yeah, yeah. it's a good and, song. And um, it's it also it's another another sidebar to it there was a song uh, called "Walking Nerve yeah. that Ringo played this incredible shuffle beat on. Mm. Uh, Jim Kellgren would expound on how, uh, unlike the most drummers do a train roll with two hands, Ringo had one arm just doing the backbeat, and all the internal shuffling was done with one hand, which Jim thought was really extraordinary and unusual. But it was just a pet groove he had that he just mm. nailed. And we used to play the the riff, my guitar riff, the the chords... On uh, the tour, we used to do it at the sound checks, and you know, Ringo and I got into a good groove with it way, way before I even wrote the lyrics, because uh, it was kind of a sound check riff we play. And Billy Preston would play this great organ and, and sing the Beatles song uh, "She's a Woman."
2: Oh my God!
3: <laughs> my love, don't give me presents, and he'd yeah. sing that to the walking nerve music, and Ringo would be playing that great shuffle beat. So anyway fast forward to when Kevin McCormick and I are in the studio Kevin's producing the Silver Lining album got the song written and Ringo came down and eventually the three of us live in a room just facing each other cut that track live, that's the live vocal and uh, kept it real earthy no drum drum track no click tracks, none of that and uh, it was quite stirring for me and Kevin to sit there looking at Ringo playing drums on one of our tracks with us and yeah. uh, it came out great wow, but amazing. um earlier while we were you know he came early in the day to hang out with us and we were tracking girl in motion uh we were trying to get live vocals and it was just the three of us kind of like i did my last blue with blue album with kevin and andy live in the studio so good, But we we're going for live vocals and we did a uh kevin had this great harmonic riff that he wrote for the song which really made it and really hard on his hand but we kind of did a take live I I caught a good solo at the end sang it pretty well and it felt really special and we literally played till you know Kevin's arm almost fell off because it was a difficult part and we went in to listen and you know Ringo's sitting there and listening along with us and uh the track goes by and uh Ends, it feels pretty good. And we're starting to look at each other, and me and Kevin are thinking about, you know, what to add harmonies, guitars, keyboards, whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, the room's quiet, and uh, Richie speaks up, Ringo speaks up, says, Well, you guys are done. And we looked at him, and it was just like an announcement. And (laughs) I like, What do you mean? He said, Well, that was beautiful. You're not going to screw it up by adding (laughs) other. sounds, right? You just leave it alone. That, that was beautiful. Don't mess yeah. it up. Oh. And Kevin and I as producers who were inevitably going to probably spend days experimenting with additions. And uh, we really, really looked at each other and went, well, that's Ringo Starr from the Beatles, greatest body of recorded music in history. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ringo. Oh, that's all awesome. of a sudden, that track was finished, so that oh, was very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great! And that that's a great, great one to, you know, in in the new album, Weathered. We did it as in the studio, just a power trio going off and jamming, and that you know, there's a lot of reckless interplay throughout the whole album, which I loved.
2: To me, it, it it's almost the centerpiece of Weathered because it it's just, and I had, I don't want to uh, show any disrespect to like you know, uh, any of the other musicians or Cindy Maisel or or anything, but. Your guitar playing yeah, on that, Cindy Mizell. Cindy Mizell. That's it. I'm sorry, um, but your no, guitar right. playing on that is definitely some of the finest I've heard in any of the recorded music I've heard from you.
3: I agree. Yeah, it is
2: yeah. really. I
3: appreciate it. Yeah, you unbelievable. know, unbelievable. I we we weren't going to record. I, I was. I hadn't played with a live band, um, a full band of my own. I'd been on the road, of course, with Neil and Crazy Horse and the East Street Band, done a lot of acoustic shows, um, but. The first time I went out in over 15 years with a full band, uh, the idea came up, um, Matt Bittman, the sound man said, you know, going to record this. I said, no, I just want to play. I don't want to be worried about making a record. I just want to go out, go town to town on a bus with a great band. And near the end of rehearsals at our home, you know, Amy and I moved everyone on our property. We rehearsed in the garage studio, really became a family and you know it was really Amy who said look no she's got to record this band because she mm-hmm. was aware of all my history from my brother to Andy to Kevin to Cindy. Cindy and Amy and I got to be really good friends on the uh, Wrecking Ball tour okay. and, mm-hmm. uh, with Bruce and actually Amy and I would go see the Seeger sessions a couple times in Europe when I was on the road with my acoustic shows. Amy went off from, from our tour, she, she designs all our merch and sells it in England when we're on the road and she went off one night to see Bruce and the band and then one night I got to see him too but um, so we we had a long history with Cindy and it was uh, you know thank gosh Amy insisted we recorded just in case And because I really wasn't planning on having a live record, I forgot about it. Matt, our sound man, got some good equipment and we recorded the shows. And I just got into the space I had intended, which was just be free, jam, have a ball with some dear friends and, you know, let it be reckless and fun and loose. And so I wasn't thinking about recording and it wasn't until way after we were done Matt sent me some rough mixes. I still didn't think there'd be a record there, but once I started listening, I realized, look, there's some different vibe, some special feel going on with this cast of characters and I think we ought to share it. Well, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I'm uh, glad the you sound did. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah incredible.
0: Incredible. And and to me you're, you're one of the most underrated best guitarists of all time and people wouldn't even know that you know, when they hear a lot of Tonight's the Night, they're hearing Nils Loughran on, on guitar there. It, on Speaking Out is some of the best guitar. I love that. And Neil kind of said the same thing to you that Ringo did. I heard on that one where he was just like, yep, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it just,
3: Yeah. no, we, we, um, that was even a, a more extreme record when we got together. You know, we call it our wake album because all of a sudden all our friends were dying.
4: Yeah, you know, Danny
3: yeah, Witten yeah. all our heroes like Jimi Hendrix Sanders Chapman, right, right? all these people were and uh, it was a very dark record but it was kind of cathartic and we all call it the Wake album mm. and uh, we we actually got together at SIR and in, uh, East Hollywood and played pool you know sip tequila and just commiserated till about midnight and it wasn't until late at night we get together and start doing these mini sets of songs we really didn't even learn too well Neil and David came to us and said, look, we're going to do an all-live record. I don't want people to even learn the songs too well. I want you singing,
4: singing harmony
3: and playing live at the same Whoa. time. I want everyone deep down in it because the second David Briggs would coach us, he'd say, look, stay deep in it because the second Neil gets a vo- vocal that feels right – We're completely done. There's not a single note that will be redone, (laughs) no matter how bad it is. So stay down in it. So that was the theme of the whole record, is to trust each other. We go to one end and sit around couches, and Neil would show us, you know, two, three, four songs. And then we'd go up and play them as a little set. Wow. And we wouldn't even, you know, he said, I don't even want you learning the songs too well to where, oh, this is my riff in the voice, verse, and this is my riff in the chorus. And that's why you'll hear us all bobbing and weaving. And, you know, me mostly on piano, then a lot more electric guitar than uh, I played on After the Gold Rush, which I played some acoustic, no electric. And um, we really let it hang out and went for some raw performances. And, and between that being the theme of the record, and all of us brought in this, you know, rage and angst and sadness mm. about all our friends and heroes dying that kept us in that space. And we came up with something really special and it was cathartic too. It was a, it was kind of a healing, you know, wake record as we call it. That was also a very unusual, brilliant chapter for Neil.
2: Mm. It, it's one of my, in my top five of Neil albums and it's just, yeah. yeah I and,
3: mean, it's hard to look. I mean, when we, we went back these last uh, seven shows, last couple of years before we made the album Colorado, uh, we started doing, uh, you know, uh, we did Only Love Can Break Your Heart. Yeah. Started doing some songs from um, the Tonight's Tonight album and, and After the Gold Rush and uh, World on a String, another fabulous one. And it was really neat because um, on tonight's tonight, of course, Billy was there on base with Ralphie, and me and Neil. And of course, we really miss Ben Keith, but. Yeah, you know, just to have a band where four, five, four out of the five of us are even around anymore. I, I,
0: I, I was going to say, I, I, Ben Keith is is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. As we've been uh, doing yeah. this podcast, yeah. he's I, our hero. I can't stop <laughs> raving about Ben Keith. I yeah. have no bad words about him. He's he is no
3: yeah. Ben. Ben's a monster and a great soul. And he oh, was another guy on the uh, Trans Tour. Oh, yeah, wow. great singer, and I got to sing his part on. Um, uh, 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 you know you You know yeah. you Oh yeah uh, And uh, I got to do Ben's part on that And he was uh, one of my heroes Being on the trans tour with Ben He was another guy like Levon After the show I'd always go to Ben's room And Love that. have a drink and talk And just you know oh, man. Just be grateful to be alive And be on the road with a great band And mm. kind of reminisce in the show Talk about what you know, what's coming down the road And just he was He was a Gentle soul and a, and a fabulous, soulful player and singer to be on the road yeah, with.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: N- Nils, can I bring up uh, Keith Don't Go? It's one of my favorite sure. tunes that you do. Um, it uh, On your live album, the live acoustic one, in my opinion, it's some of the best acoustic guitar playing I've ever heard recorded. Um, and oh thank you s- uh, No no problem man, it's it's the truth And just speaking of people like Danny Witten And people who have passed Do you think that song is solely responsible For keeping Keith Richards alive? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh absolutely not <laughs> I don't even know if Keith ever heard the song Oh man, he but, must have uh, I, he, I know, know he knows I wrote one about him But I'm not even sure he's ever heard it uh, I, I have met him on the, the Stones tours He's been very friendly And fact one one great night in LA way back in the I think the early 90s he he, he saw me playing ping pong with uh Brantford Marsalis I think it was oh, wow. he yelled at a photographer to come and came over gave me a hug and tell the photographer to take a picture and he had to go do an interview and he was just so sweet and he, and he, he walked away and pointed at me and, and the photographer said make sure he gets a copy of that and photographer came up and got my information sent me this great shot of me and Keith but you know there's no other I mean look Jimi Hendrix Keith Richards is probably yeah. the biggest influences guitar wise George Jimmy Harrison and the song. yeah I mean all, all those guys and mm-hmm. uh, you know Jim, Jimmy and Clapton uh, Jeff Beck Roy Buchanan, Albert King BB King that's, that's kind of the soup yeah. I took my stuff from and then for the rhythm stuff you got you know, George Harrison, Pete Townsend, Keith yeah. Richards, all that two three note
4: yeah, right, almost
3: right. thematic playing. You know, it wasn't always just soloing. But when they played they would like create themes and like write songs with their playing, guitar right. playing. So yeah. I was you, blessed to come up in that that era and get to see all those people. You play. definitely
0: you've definitely carried that torch very, very well. It it's it's amazing. And and this might be strange, Nils, but I want to read you a quote that, of yours that I heard in an interview because we want to be respectful of your time here, and, um, but I just want to read this quote that I that you had given someone in an interview. You said it was they were you he was kind of asking you about playing with all these famous people and you having your shot and everything, and you had said uh, quote sex drugs rock and roll and death that never had a big appeal to me. I didn't really want to be famous. I always saw it as a, like a very serious venture as making a living playing music as a musician end quote. And I can't tell you how much I and my brother and the music we make that quote means so much because in this business, and again, we're not anywhere near where you've gotten, but you, you, you come across that a lot of people who want to be famous and people who just end up happening to be famous. You think about Neil and that quote of yours there, it, it really sums, I think, this whole new record of yours up too, as far as just being a lifelong musician and only really caring about the music. And and I really feel like that shines through in this record of yours. And I, I just thank you so much for, for, yeah. for all your stories and for the music that you've given to us throughout the years. It, and I know the, the main public might not know you as well as Neil and Bruce or whatever, but... The people that do know you, we really appreciate you. And even if the main public doesn't know your name, they they can hear you, and and you're very much appreciated and, and loved.
3: Oh, man, well, I appreciate that. You know, I always, uh, again, being a classical accordion player and finding this whole improv, blues way of life, thanks to all those players and the explosion of music, which it was really through the Beatles and Stones, I discovered Stax, Vault, Motown, even the... British Invasion counterpart in the States. It was all through the Beatles. And uh, I always looked at it, you know, when I finally started, I never, in the mid-60s, I was playing teen clubs, doing Top 40, which was great music back then. And it didn't occur to us to be a professional musician. And it wasn't until, I mean, I kind of got off the classical accordion and turned on to rock and roll through the Beatles and Stones, Bless them, and um, Mm. quickly discovered all of it. But it was really the night I went to see uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, we went to see uh, the original Who wow. that uh, and the opening acts were Herman's Hermits and the Blues Magoos. Wow, wow. Uh, Herman's Hermits were amazing. Yeah, the Blues yeah. Magoos had the first five blinking suits in the history of rock <laughs> and roll right. on stage, wow. which was hilarious. Yeah. But the Who was extraordinary. And then we all ran over to see Jimi Hendrix experience Late Show and Pete Townsend was in the audience. And it was that night after seeing Jimmy and the Who, I walked out of there possessed with the idea that I at sixteen that I think I need to try to be a rock musician. It mm. never occurred <laughs> To anybody and none of us kids playing teen clubs ever thought like that in the mid 60s. Um, we idolized these guys, but we certainly didn't think we could do it. But the, the possession never left me. And fast forward a year later, at 17, I left uh, my senior year about three weeks in, went up to Greenwich Village and started knocking on doors, began my career as a rock musician. Incredible. And, you know, before you know it, I happened to walk in on Neil and you know, year later, my band is making our way with David Briggs and I'm doing after the goal rush and I got oh, some very, very awesome. lucky breaks. And I do love to be in bands, you know, I'm yeah, a real band yeah, totally. person. I thrive in that thrive Same, in front of yeah. an audience with a great band. So taking this, uh, electric band weathered out with all these cast of friends. And, you know, I love doing acoustic shows and I've gotten really into it, but you know, you're constantly on, I mean, you're always right, right. playing, you're always the center of attention. And many, many times, I mean, you'll hear me like sometimes in Give, the riff will just go on and on because I'm just sitting there looking around and sometimes in too many miles, there's no, I'm not even playing. I'm just sitting there clapping my hands, going, (laughs) wow, I don't have to play. I don't have to sing. I got, I'm inside this great band and I really soaked it up and enjoyed it. and, Mm. And that's, that's why I think it was important to share.
1: Nils has, has the pandemic affected you at all as far as live shows, as far as this album being released?
3: Well, you know, we we decided to not rush it and felt like now is a good time to share it because it's there's no end in sight. We originally right, right. thought, look, I, I was getting greedy because I was looking at maybe the best year and a half touring of my life. Uh, Neil wanted to take Crazy Horse out. He, he was able to book a show like within a month and a half. We had two and a half months of work starting April 29th in Chicago. We oh, were going to go out and play. And I just, you know, after the seven shows we did, I was chomping at the bit to get back out with Neil and Crazy Horse with a record (laughs) Colorado we recorded under our belt. So So pretty much live in the studio like everything else. And then I was going to maybe do a run at the end of the year with the weathered band. And, um, you know, we were all hoping and pretty optimistic next year Bruce would take E Street out. And it looked like I had this magical year and a half of off and on work that, you know, it was really be, it's always great for my soul and it's good to work. And yeah. um, it all went away, you know, cause of COVID. Yeah. And now Amy and I, we're, we're surprised how busy we are because people yeah. that would come and help here and there can't come. And we're doing a lot on our own. We got yeah. two elder dogs and uh, we're hunkered in, man. It's, we're in for the long haul. We got a
4: yeah. a
3: bad situation. Our government's handling it terribly. And oh, yeah. uh, so all that stuff, I mean, my, my hope and dream is to stay healthy and one day get to do all that again mm. with all those cast of characters.
0: Hopefully we'll see but, you uh, at
3: That's not today. So I, yeah. you know, felt like it'd be really even more important to share something live with that kind of vibe mm. and energy since yeah. none of us are out there able to do it oh, yeah. safely.
2: So before we let you go Nils, since you brought up the East Street Band, I've been reading that you, you mentioned that Bruce and, and the band have been working on some new stuff. Um. So say they get a vaccine and everybody gets inoculated and, and the COVID thing ceases to be a danger and Neil and Bruce call you at the same time.
3: <laughs>
2: Who do you go out with?
3: <laughs> what a what a diabolical nightmare of a question. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. I know what I mean. <laughs>
0: We're really not that mean, Nils. That's just Mike shoe. I'm just <laughs> we, I mean, no, we're we're you know mean. what? I'm I'm yeah. going to
3: save you from yourselves and not try to <laughs> delve into such a cruel question. <laughs> I just told you that I had a year and a half of work with Crazy Horse, the East Street Band, and the Weather Band. Yeah. If that wasn't heartbreaking enough, right. uh, and then you come at me with that. I'm wow, sorry.
2: Cold. I'm sorry. I was very curious. <laughs>
3: I, I know. I know. No, look, it, it's an obvious question, but that's a train wreck. I hope I never. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, Nils, I know we're uh, we're winding
1: down on time here, but I did. I have been listening to Nils sings Neil a bunch since we started this podcast, and I just I wanted to say some of your versions of Neil's songs are some of my favorite versions. Your version, a uh, winter long, and uh, especially World on a String, just yeah. blow me away. And I wanted to know, do you have a favorite song of Neils to cover? If you if you had to pick one,
3: you know, there's so many of them. Um, There's some on that record that really, you know, the thing was, uh, I didn't know if it would work. I really didn't think it would be a good idea when someone uh, suggested it, but out of respect to the songs, I picked about 30 of them and I woke up for about three or four weeks early in the morning. I get up, I put on a pot of coffee and I go into the living room and I just sing the list. I just sing them down. To my dogs, I had four dogs, come join me, keep me company. Yeah. And, you know, for a few weeks, they all just felt like decent karaoke. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they some of them started feeling like, you know, something else was going on right. that was special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, too, there's you'll hear a great song, in this case, by Neil, and you might not understand the lyric. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a, Amy, will you talk to Dave.
0: Sorry. Sorry, Nils.
3: Oh, you got to push it. Call him back. Um, And so I wanted to share them in in that, you know, even stiller form than acoustically live with an audience in the Mm. hum of a room. Just very live performances. Uh, I took my time very, you know, isolated, just delving into these beautiful songs. And I'm glad you enjoy it. There's just too many to uh, count. But, you know, obviously if someone – you know say hey here's a guitar go out and sing a Neil Young song and, and sends me out in front of you know a crowd of people i probably sing Long May You Run
4: oh
0: no nice. all right well Great. there you Absolutely. go <laughs> because
3: you know, it's, <laughs> that's it's, our podcast it's, it's got, a, got a groove it's just such a, a beautiful sentiment yeah you know it's about, such a good you know, song. Lo- love and friendship and, and you know sustaining it through through a lifetime and beyond
1: I mean maybe I'll send you the chords and lyrics to our theme song Right. Yeah. you can cover that for us.
0: Yeah, we we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, there's Mills. there's a bunch of stuff I yeah, wanted to no, ask, but we we didn't. I wanted to ask because you had Martin Sexton on one of your albums, and I love him. And then you have I'm a big hat guy, and you have the best hats. I love your hats. <laughs> so I was yeah, gonna, you know, Amy. <laughs> fi-
3: I, Amy finds me all these fabulous oh, hats. Oh, I gotta get that just... connection.
0: It's. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I, she's, I she's, she's the one it. who kind of finds finds good clothes and hats for me. And Even Martin, great style. you know, I still a quick story about Martin. I was in uh, D.C. visiting my family it was a long time ago. And uh, me and my brother Mark went down to, and his wife Kate went down to see Ricky Lee Jones oh, at nice. the Birchmere and, and huge, huge Ricky Lee fan. So, you know, we're kind of making our way to our seats as uh, Martin, the opening act, comes out. And as soon as we sit down, Martin starts, you know, Singing, and I just was floored. how oh, oh, beautiful You get blown so away. Cool he was. Yeah,
0: same. And yeah. as
3: soon as he, as soon as he uh, walked off stage, I, I followed him back into the dressing <laughs> room, which I've had some experience doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've been, we've been friends ever since. I uh, jammed anyway. with him a couple of times when he played through Phoenix. But Martin's one of the all-time greats, and glad he's still out doing his thing. I pray that we all get a chance to, you know, obviously. It would require a, a, a massive change in government, people that are, you know, intelligent and smart yeah, and soulful right. and do do the right thing, shut this thing down, get a handle on it while we're looking for a cure. And I hope that starts happening. So it's not too long. Hopefully they'll start,
0: they'll start playing Neil's new version of looking for a leader then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that will be good.
3: Yeah. Look, we all are dying to get out and play and sing for people. That's a lifeblood for all of us. And we all know we got to stay alive to get to that point. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, Nils, thank you so much for taking the time. The, uh, the new album weathered, it is live. It is amazing. Uh, it comes out on August 21st, uh, pre order it by the vinyl. Just Nils, are you gonna buy a copy of your 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 own album? Do you do that?
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I order it just to make sure it's true. Right. Excellent. And uh, it, we've got some signed copies at Backstreets.com. I'm signing up. We're gonna have it available on my website, NilsFalkran dot com, and uh, I'll stay in touch with everybody on it. And you know, it's the closest thing I can to sharing what I do live and it's been over 15 years with a band. So I hope people check it out and appreciate it. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed talking with you guys.
0: We really appreciate you taking the time, Nils. I still have chills from all those stories and yeah. just, you're an incredible person, man. And, and thank you for blessing us with yeah, your thanks soul. Thanks very much, man. And your music.
3: Yeah, look, I'm glad you guys play. You, you, it makes you, uh, a lot more knowledgeable and you can tell by your questions, but you know, uh i really enjoy it mike luke russ i wish you the best with your bands and uh maybe we can do a chapter two someday absolutely
2: great anytime maybe when we get to trans
0: we'll call you up again yeah
3: yeah Yeah, i got the stories (laughs) awesome (laughs) we we gotta go record our
0: episode on decade now nils so wish us luck (laughs) all
3: right do it man it's good to talk to you all all right
0: nils thanks a lot
2: nils Much love,
3: man. Uh, yeah thanks so much